Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. This week's episode is brought to you by outdooralabama.com that's where i learned the basics of how to hunt and fish including what's in season and which license to buy learn more at outdooralabama.com go hunt go fish get outdoors this message was brought to you by the alabama department of conservation and natural resources and brought to you by mb ranch king mb ranch king hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the usa With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King. Built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. What's up, guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. Hope you guys have had an amazing week. Uh, What a beautiful last couple of days we've had. Seems like, uh, man, at least yesterday after that front came through, man, the humidity's a little less. Kind of got that little bit of a fall, almost. It's still hot, but almost got a little bit of that fall feeling in the air. And, uh, man, certain places have had a ton of rain and, and some places hadn't had as much, but I am looking forward to seeing how all of this is affecting the fishing around the state of Alabama. So let's get to it with our first segment with Ken Bearden. What's going on, Mr. Ken in West Point, Alabama? Uh, we just pulled in here to the boat ramp, fixing to uh, meet a veteran and we're going to fish till dark. And, uh, they've started biting here in the last two weeks. It's been a really a June and July was after the Mayflies finished up in June. Boy, it it got really tough, and uh, it took me a little while to figure it all out. But I figured out why it got tough. The lake is just slammed full of blueback herring. They came down the system from Lake Lake Lanier, and um, I've probably had about six fish cough up a or spit up a, a blueback herring that was five to six inches long and i think once those mayflies finished up them fish left there and they just started following the blue bags and and they weren't locked locked in on the road beds or the humps or stuff like that they even blow downs nothing brush piles they, they were just out roaming following those uh around but that's all changing now the waters it was 88 it's coming down to like 84 and the fish are starting to settle in and uh, I think the heron are settling in on and, and not roaming quite as much. They're kind of looking like they're kind of facing the fall, you know? Yep. Like a fall migration, kind of. But 
the last week we we started catching them about 16 feet 16 17 18 feet deep you catch a bunch on a drop shot on jigging spoon uh you can back off and throw a football head jig uh carolina rig things have really changed in the last two weeks yeah no doubt man it has changed quick this time of year and and hopefully for the better most of the time so have you guys at, at west point have y'all had the the blueback herring in the in the past or is this something that's relatively new to the lake no they first started seeing them in 2004 and uh, they were doing really good the fish was getting fat everything you caught was really healthy the numbers went up and then in 2006 we got a new dnr guy and he started putting stripers in here which we didn't have stripers it stopped them in the early 90s, and they were going so far up the river, they were eating the uh, trout that they stocked for people to fly fish way up up the river, where it's just, you know, real shallow shoals and stuff. And so the fly fishermen, they stopped that because, you know, it was kind of defeating the purpose of stocking them, the DNR stocking them, and then the stripers coming up there and eating them. So they stopped. That was in the early 90s. And then in 2006, when we got a new DNR guy, he he was dead set on putting the stripers in there. So he started dumping them in. Well, by 2010-11, those from 2006, you know, they're up to 12, 14, 18 pounds. And they pretty much eat the hair and down to nothing. I mean, I, I probably went five, six years without seeing a blueback heron. I thought, well, that's the end of them, you know. Right. And what happened was these stripers they go up the river to spawn the water is so much cooler up the river because it comes out of lanier and it's constantly flowing up there and that's what they really prefer and so i, I think the bigger stripers were just state once they went up there to spawn they just stayed up there they weren't coming back migrating back and forth to the lake and so that gave the heron some a few years you know to make a comeback and what and that, that actually these herring that I'm seeing now, they look just like the herring that are in Lanier. When two thousand four, I think it was four or five two thousand five, I got one of those herring that a fish spit up and it you know, it didn't have many marks on it and stuff. He just ate him. And so I put him in my freezer and then I was up there at Lanier a few months later and I went to Hammond Sporting Goods up there, a big big sporting goods place and um uh, they sell sell them there, you know, five ninety nine a dozen. So I asked the guy if I could have one to compare it to the one I got, you know, here in West Point. And they were the one on West Point had a blue back, and the one from Lanier had a green back. And everything I'm seeing now has the green back. Huh. I'm not seeing the ones with the blue back. So pretty much all of them I found this year uh, been five and six inches long. So you know they're several years old. And uh, you catch a spot. You catch a spot and his belly be about to bust, man. You know, I mean, he'd just be blowed. And I know he's from, you know, he's eating those blue bags. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, the, a lot of the people that we talk to around the state, whether it's, you know, I don't know, Lake Martin has now got the, the, the blue backs and, and those guys are starting to, to see an increase in their size and the health of their bass, it seems like, and their stripes. Uh, it seems mm-hmm. like these lakes that do have the blue back now are, it seems like it's a good thing for them. They, 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 the fish is better. The fish are bigger. But like you said, well, it does create a problem in the summer because those those blue bat, those herring they get out 
and just kind of wander around in open water and those, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the bass follow them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when they, they first got in Lanier in 2001, I was working a booth at the Fisher-Rama in South Atlanta. And the, the DNR had a tank set up, and they had about five of those herring in there. And they had this big sign that said, warning, you know, all this stuff. And I was talking to the DNR guy about it. And he he was very upset that those fishermen had taken from Clark's Hill and Hartwell and moved them over to Lake Lanier. And actually, that's when they went on the invasive species list. They, were, they weren't on there before that happened, before those fishermen moved them. Um, once they moved them, all of a sudden they were invasive, you know. And DNR guy told me, he said, he, these fishermen moved them over there. And, and he said, in 10 years, they won't be a bass in Lake Lanier. Well, what? 10 years later, yeah, 10 years later is like, you know, on fire. And it's still on fire. I mean, Why would they think that that would kill the bass population they, they claim that they eat bass eggs and they eat bass fry which you know what i've seen is totally not true when the bass are spawning those those herring are still out there in the lake they don't come in and they spawn on those long dirt points most yeah. time and, and they don't really come in the pockets and stuff you know um i think it's just a way for them just to get them on the invasive species list so they and and that's what they do they they stock stripers that's their excuse for stocking stripers they they have to keep these things under control if they mm. take over the lake they'll eat all the bass eggs and the bass fry and then, you know they'll mess up the whole ecosystem so we have to keep them eat down with stripers that's right that's uh, right yeah. Well, every lake uh, I've seen those seen seen the blue bags in, it is uh it has definitely improved the fishing. It sure hadn't hurt it. That's right. Yeah, we had a big meeting here uh, when back in about two thousand five and uh all we all the guides was in there and, and all every guy there said the same thing. They see nothing but positive stuff from yeah. the from the blue bags being in the lake and uh it is a little bit challenging like you said in those you know uh july and august uh was real challenging for me it's not like lanier up there the water is so much clearer you can throw a top water and those fishing they can see 15 18 feet up there so they'll come way up to get it you know they'll come yep. from a brush pile and, and get it well our our water is not as clear so that don't that really doesn't work good until later on in the fall when when they kind of you know, migrate into the pockets and get shallower. But July and August at Lanier, you just throw topwater all day, and you know you catch them. But you—that's because those fish are feeding off a of site. Yeah. Uh, they're here with the water not being as clear. They—they're not—they're not feeding off the of site as much. So I've been throwing swim baits. You know, July and August like swim baits with a half ounce, three quarter ounce head on there you know just slow rolling it and catching them that way the jig i, I just couldn't cannot get a jig bite for some reason but they they wanted something swimming and moving and i guess it's because they you know had been eating so many herring you know the herring they're, they're a blessing and a curse at the same time you know yeah you, you guys spend some time on the lake just got herring and kind of figure them all out you know but um it, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely changes is. things that's for sure yeah, well, it changes them. It changes it, you know, like July and August, and it's probably going to change it again, probably uh, December and in, in January, you know. But uh, last year uh, in January, December, January, February, man, we caught some big fish. I mean, 
and they they were out there you know we caught them on jigs and stuff um 18 to 30 feet of water you know wow. and i didn't have a clue that those heron had made a comeback until like my buddy he got on some spots in in march pre-spawn uh, spotted bass and i mean they were about to bust i mean he called me he said well you gotta come back go down here with me and look at these spots and so we went down there the next day and this is over on an old lake dam you know and um they were they were huge and i i, I didn't understand why well a few weeks later a buddy of mine we was just talking and he said that his friend had snagged a heron down lake and i said you sure because i ain't seen a heron in five or six years and he said yeah he he knows what a heron looked like well the following week i'm like halfway up the lake and I'm, I'm jigging the spoon and I, I think I have a lease on my spoon. So I wind it up. Well, it's a, it's a heron. And I, you know, take it off and look at it. And I'm like, that's, that's a greenback, you know, like it's in Lanier. And then, uh, I get in a couple of conversations with some other guys and, and they're, they're catching them in their throw nets. Live bait guys are, you know, up here around Highland Marina. And then I talked to one guy who fished under, the last bridge, the 219 bridge, way up the river, he fished there all night. And I, I got to ask question him about what he saw, you know, for his bait fish. And, and he told me, you know, the Terran came in there about 1030 and circling his lights. And um, I said, you sure they're Heron? And he said, yeah. He said, I grew up on Clark's Hill. I, we used to use them for bait over there. We'd take thumb nets and catch them. So they're, they're you know, from one end to the other. They're, Sounds they're like they're back. Really, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, man, as the like you said, the, the fishing has definitely changed in the last week and uh, two weeks, and and the water temperatures dropping. So as as that continues to drop, I mean, you, you think those those fish? I mean, do you kind of expect them to to keep moving up shallower, like today? How are you gonna focus on them? Well, they they do the same thing just like in the springtime. You know, they when they come in out of the deeper water they pull up on the first structure that they come to, whether it's a roadbed or lake dam or whatever. And that's where I'm catching that right now. It may be 20 foot. It may be 16 foot or 18 foot. Uh, and we catch them with a drop shot and spoon. But as, as the temperature drop, water temperature drops, the further back in that pocket, most of these dams and these roadbeds cross the mouth of these pockets. So, as the temperature drops and it gets water gets cooler, they just move on back into the pockets, you know, in the shad and the heron will too. And and that's when you you change to top water and caterbait, spinnerbait, square bills. That's when it gets fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, top water, yeah, September and October, and it stay like that until they start dropping the water. When it first start dropping, it first couple feet don't bother, but then that three foot to four foot range that starts pulling them back out of the pocket so you're turning around reversing what you work mm. you know doing you go back to the roadbed and back to the pond dams so today we're going you know we'll fish the pond dams and the roadbeds and they're topped out from 16 to 20 feet and late this afternoon that last hour before dark now there's a big flats up here at those hybrids and the spots once that sun gets behind those trees they the shad pull up on that flat and, and those hybrids and the spots not you don't see many stripers but a lot, a lot of hybrids and spots they'll, they'll pull up there and they'll, they'll go busting them on top that will continue to get better all the way through about the last week of october around in there heck yeah man 
well, hey, look, I know you're uh, know you're sitting there. You got a veteran waiting on you. That you're fixing to take out. So good luck to you guys today. And for you, the listeners that may not know, uh, Ken does an amazing job with the veterans. I mean, if you're a veteran and you want to go fishing, get in touch with Ken. He'll he'll take you, uh, line it up, and just hey, a lot of giving back right there. So thank you for what you do for our, for our armed forces and our veterans. If I'm going to get a tip of the day from you today, somebody coming to West Point this weekend, what would your tip be, Ken? I'd try to keep your bait in that 16, 17-foot range. Whether you're on a roadbed or pond dam or a big point, some of my bigger fish have been caught around brush piles that are they're in 16, 17 feet. So I haven't, but some of my friends have caught some on the Carolina rig. I prefer to throw the jig, but Carolina rig, I've heard several guys talk about the Carolina rig sitting out, you know, and throwing up up there and bringing it around the brush pile that's in 16 feet of water. So. Another something we do we have going with the uh, veterans is we, uh, JT Kenny. Uh, you know he's won 1.6 million dollars fished on the FLW tour. You know, as uh, part of American Bait Works and Net Bait and all that. Uh, he's we're raffling off a, a, a one day fishing trip with him on Lake Felsmere in Florida, which is the number one lake in Florida right now. It's hot. It's on fire. Uh, and so you get a Full day of fishing with him and uh, a uh, $200 gas card, or two, no, $300 gas card, $200 meal card, and you get two nights in the hotel. And you can go on our website, vfohome.org, and there's a link on there to purchase tickets. They're $10 a piece. And then our Facebook page, a Veterans Fishing Organization, I've got it pinned to the top. And so you'll click on it, and it'll carry you over to rally.com. And that's all they do is online raffles. It's a secure server. Uh, They do nationwide raffles for nonprofits all over. So, Man, that's a good deal. Yeah. That, that's awesome, Ken. So if y'all are listening, guys, go on and, and uh, check out that site. Buy you a raffle ticket. Uh, I can promise you it's for a good cause, and it'll go to the right places. So, Ken, if somebody wants to book a trip with you and go fishing, I know there's several ways to get up with you, brother. What's a what's a what's some of the best ways for them to reach out to you? If you're a veteran, now you you go on vfohome.org and uh, fill out an application and hit submit, and that sends me an email. If uh, if you're a paying customer, you go on uh, kenbeardandfishing.com. And uh, at the bottom, it just says send a message to email, and you can email me a message. Those are the two easiest ways. You can call me. My number's on uh, Facebook on Ken Beard and Fishing. My phone number's on there. Website's on there. Not, you, you can Google me, <laughs> Ken Bearden or Ken Bearden, uh, Ken Bearden, LaGrange, Georgia. You Google that, and you'll see a bunch of ways to contact me. Well, good deal, Ken. We appreciate you, man. Guys, if y'all are interested in going to West Point and, and, and catching some of these bass or down there or even the hybrids, and I mean, man, Ken is the guy. He will put you on them, so give him a call. Ken, man, good luck this afternoon. Hope you and that veteran you're taking out have an amazing good afternoon and good trip, and uh, man, thank you for joining us, and look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Yes, sir. Y'all have a blessed day. It was good talking to you. Good talking to you as well. Take care. All right, guys, let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you own or run a boat, 
you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes it easy to find the service you're looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts or even paddle boats and all things in between at BoatersList.com. They will always strive to make it better on the water. Also brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services. And now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIslands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Welcome back to the show, guys. Hey, great first segment. I uh, love having Ken on and man, what he does for the veterans is, is unbelievable. If, if you are a veteran and you're listening, you'd like to go to West Point fishing. I mean, he does it free of charge. Not many people do stuff free of charge anymore. And, and these guys, you know, they, they, they fish for a living, they guide for a living. So for him to take his time, get back to the veterans and do what he's doing down there is uh, hats off to, to Ken. So y'all reach out to Ken if you're a veteran or if you just want to go fishing down there and book a trip with him. Uh, remarkable guy. He catches a lot of fish, so be sure and give him a call. But, hey, let's move from West Point and let's move up to the middle of the state to the Coosa River chain. Been looking forward to getting a report from here because the Coosa ain't been easy this year for the bass fishermen. But, hey, got a first-time guest on here member of the montevallo fishing team parker o'neill parker what's going on my friend how you doing mr brian i'm doing good buddy doing good we uh hey i man i mean me and you got a little link there we got that mississippi connection you grew up in brandon mississippi and i lived in madison just a few miles north of there uh, so hey, like we were saying, uh, before we started recording, we're glad we're not in Jackson area right now. Cause, uh, they got, they got a little water problem over there. It sounds like where they're drinking water, might not have any for a while. Oh yes, sir. Um, I agree with you. It's good to be over here and over here with water. Actually. I mean, kind of tough over there right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, how did you get from Brandon, Mississippi to Montevallo? I fished on the Brandon High School fishing team at my local high school all through um, high school from ninth to 12th grade. And my 12th grade year, me and my partner did really, well, junior and senior year, me and my partner did really well, started winning a lot and doing, placing a lot of, placing a lot in tournaments. And we started doing really well. And I started trying to grow myself as an angler. So I started trying to reach out to college and see if they would reach out to me and started getting a little recognition. And then I went to the Bassmaster High School Combine that um bass puts on and before that coach crawford here at um montebello reached out to me saying he would like to meet me and whatnot and i got there and we kind of just talked for a pretty good while and it just kind of clicked and i came over here on a visit and um it just was a perfect match in my standpoint that's awesome man and i love william crawford to death he is uh just a, a an incredible human being and 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 a godly man and has done so much for not just Montevallo and the, the, the school itself, but for so many young people that want to be involved in the outdoor industry uh, or fishing or pr production video, you know, there's so many different avenues. And, and Montevallo was 
one of, if not the only one that had a scholarship program for the outdoor, for people that wanted to get in the outdoor industry. And William was uh, definitely very instrumental in that and has done an amazing job. Well, congrats on getting to Montevallo, but let's talk about fishing. Actually, I found you through scrolling through Facebook and you were holding some pretty darn big bass for the Coosa chain. Yes, sir. Um, we went out to uh, Lay Lake the other day, and I, it was a slow day. But, I mean, the, when we leaned on a few, they're the right ones, and it was pretty fun. I mean, wasn't catching a lot of fish, but every fish you caught was the right fish. And that's that's that really encouraging. And uh, hopefully as this water cools back off, the, and I know it's cooling down now some and has some good rain, but – uh, hopefully the fishing will turn back on a little, but has, am I wrong? Has it been a struggle on Lay and Logan this year, this summer? Yes, sir. It has. And when I've been here, I mean, you're not, it's been hard just to get bites almost. Some days are better than others, but it's just been really, really tough. It's not like you're going to go out and just absolutely wear them out. It's been one of those slow deals. Yeah, it seems like that, Parker. It seems like the people that I've talked to have have echoed that same thing. And, and you know, I know in in past years, it's not always been like that. You know, you could catch that get on some huge schools of fish and Logan Martin, and and the same with Lay and 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 catch fish all through the summer, and have some good days. But just for whatever reason, it seems like that's not been the case as much this year. But Sounds like you guys kind of figured out a little plan and, and figured out a way to catch some fish the other day and some big ones. We did. I mean, my the guy I was with, he's from around here, and he's fishing a while. Well, I was graphing and just piddling around. Well, I found a little area with the current pool. I was like, there's got to be a fish right there. And we um, I graphed over it and saw there's a little bit of structure there and ended up turning back around and fishing it. Well, lo and behold, we caught two five-and-a-half-pounders off of it and um, caught uh, two or three more just real good sized fish and we all um, we went around the whole lane catching a few smaller ones but nothing like that spot that spot it was just we don't know what what it was about it but it was just it was good yeah no doubt about it and and you so are you when y'all were fishing are you are you looking at your graphs a lot are you looking for what were you looking for i mean you're looking for current breaks you're looking for drop-offs creek channels, bait fish. I mean, kind of, what are you looking for? Yes, sir. We, um, we fished everything. We fished anywhere from going all the way up the lake and fishing current and all the way down to just going up shallow and fishing power of grass. We were just strolling around and they were pulling current at the point. And, um, there's a big hump, not in the center, but pretty close to the center. And just, I figured any time offshore spot, if it's got any kind of structure, maybe a fish or two holding onto it and, the structure was kind of on the back side, so it would be on the back side of the current where it would be creating a current break almost for those fish, and it just kind of set up right, and we home. Now, I idled over it with my own side scan and my down view and um, saw the structure. Couldn't really see too many fish on it. Well, um, I never turned my live scope onto it, but I used my Mega 360 for it and pinpointed exactly where it was when I got on my troll motor, and then just it was second cast, I think it was, and I caught the biggest one out of there, and then it just got cast after cast for about 10 minutes there. That's great, man. And you young guys, y'all so good with these electronics now, man. And and it's it's changed the game in fishing for sure, from from high school to college, and obviously all the way up to the to the to the professionals. You know whether you love it or hate it, it's here to to stay. And if you're not real good with it, 
you're behind the eight ball. So uh, you you guys you guys get good at this at a young age, and it makes all the difference. Yes, sir. Um, before we um we ever got live scope, it's we um kind of tied it up. And if you're not using live scope, you're just getting beat by somebody with live scope nowadays. Yeah, no doubt about that. Fishing the Coosa now and, and lay the other day. I mean, what kind of baits are your go-to? How are you able to catch these fish? For those offshore fish, we're just using just um seven to eight inch worm, just Texas rig and North shaky head with um just a little ball head. And then that's been my go-to for a while for offshore, but really here it's been shining. And then for up shallow, I'm just throwing a, sw- uh, throwing a frog in a swim jig, just trying to power fish down the whole bank trying to find the good productive grass and if there's if you find that one stretch you'll catch two or three uh, fish off of it yeah no doubt on your swim jig when you're fishing that i mean you 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 got the swim jig you got a trailer on it are you fishing that like in the grass there's a lot of grass that lay so are you throwing that up in the grass or is this more something you're throwing on the edge of the grass or kind of how's your what's your how do you fish it what I'm doing, I'm doing it just like home. I'll throw it deep into, far into the grass as I can. I'm throwing a little bit heavier one to where get down in that grass. Then I'm just working it out and see if I can get a reaction bite from those fish. Because if, if you hit them on the head with that swim jig, they're going to bite it. Oh, yeah. And then it's just a steady retreat through the grass, bringing it back. Yeah, and, just, uh, yeah. just um, kind of working it like a frog and jigging it and reeling it fast at the same time. Yeah, good stuff, man. What's next on y'all's agenda? Where are you going to be fishing next? Y'all got any tournaments coming up? Or are y'all kind of wound down for the year? No, sir. We, um, we're actually fishing a tournament. At, we're actually going all fall. We've, I think I've got four or five really big tournaments planned. I think we're starting off at Gunnersville here in the – no, we're starting at Kentucky here in the middle of September, then going to Gunnersville, and then all the way up to Dardanelle, then probably Pickwick, and then back here at Lay Lake in November. So we've got a pretty good fall, uh, pretty good fall planned ahead of us. Well, that sounds like y'all got a very good one planned ahead, man. Some great lakes on that list. And uh, hopefully Lay will will be even better in November than, than it's been this summer for sure. And, uh, man, what's, is there any, you know, kind of what, what do you think the, over the next few weeks as we're cooling off, you know, do, are, are the fish, do you anticipate the fish kind of moving more, even moving up? I mean, at, at Lay, they're in grass. I mean, you catch catch them in grass year round, but obviously sometimes of the year are better than the others. So, I mean, kind of what are you looking forward to on the Coosa chain, you know, in the next few weeks? Especially when it starts cooling off, I'm going to be looking for bait heavy, just with those schools pushing that bait around. And, um, and like, I feel like whenever the um, current gets to roll and it gets to start cooler, fish will start setting up the current a little bit more. And um, it'll be a little bit more predictable to catch those fish that are staging on the current. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff, man. Well, hey, I got to get one thing I like to do. I know you're a first-time caller in here, and we appreciate it, but I always like to get a tip of the day. So if somebody is is going to Lay or Logan or any of the Coosa Lakes this weekend, what would your tip of the day be, Parker? Stay persistent. Keep your head down because everywhere right now is hard. And just if you go out there in the first hour or two and you don't catch a fish and you get your, get your head down, then you are you are defeated. And you just got to keep your head down and grind for those few bites that you will get. Great tip, man. That's strong. And um, that's that's definitely the case right now. And just, just keep rolling, keep going, keep casting and reeling. That's all we can do. Hey, Parker, man, best of luck to you in the fall. Uh, congrats again on Montevallo. And, dude, I look, look forward to having you back on here. 
as the year goes on. Yes, sir. Well, thank you, Mr. Brian, for having me on here. Yes, sir. All right, buddy. Take care, man. We'll talk to you again soon. Yes, sir. See ya. All right, guys. Great segment. Let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. Today, we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction, dirty dock. Have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result? It happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water. You need dock enhancement. Killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch. The scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slots. You choose the style. Check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at killerdock.com. Also brought to you by the Alabama Marine Resources Division would like to remind all recreational anglers who have harvested red snapper, gray trigger fish, or greater amberjack to report their catch through the snapper check program. Reporting is mandatory and must be done prior to landing fish in Alabama, regardless of where the fish were caught. Anglers must report their harvest online at OutdoorAlabama.com or through the official Outdoor Alabama app. For more information about Snapper Check or any of the 2022 fishing seasons, please visit OutdoorsAlabama.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Oh, man, another great segment. I uh, love having those young guys on here, man. I mean, uh, Parker is is just starting his collegiate career out and managed to, to do good enough in high school to get that scholarship and get some of these colleges looking at him. And, man, wishing the best of luck. He's a great first-time caller, and I look forward to having him back on more. Well, hey, we started out in the south of the state at West Point. We came on up to the Coosa, so let's keep going north. Let's go up to Pickwick with my buddy Cody Harrison. Cody, what's going on, man? Oh, not much, man. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely, buddy. Been a minute, man. I love, been a minute since we got, got connected on this thing. I know we've we tried a couple of times, but... I uh, appreciate you jumping on today, man. I always look forward to hearing from you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, what's the fish doing at Pickwick? I know it's uh, I know it's still hot out there. Oh man, yeah, it's still hot. Man, they're kind of they're getting in that little little bit of the very beginning of the fall transition, man. I know we've uh here the last few few outings we've been trying to just go out early and get on a little top water deal here and there. It's uh it's going pretty good. Numbers are decent. I'd say we probably caught 15 or 16 this morning and real short four hour trip. I don't even know if we went the full four hours, but we, uh, had a pretty decent little morning this morning. Yesterday was a little bit slower than the day, but it's just been kind of one of those deals, man. You just kind of want to go do something fun and, you know, you can do different things right now. There are fish still deep. There's a few fish starting to get shallow. There's a, just a tiny little bit of grass, not a whole lot of it this year. It's kind of, kind of hit or miss on the grass deal but there's uh there's still fish doing pretty much everything right now man you can you can still catch them deep though i'm, I'm kind of getting tired of that but yeah uh, all yeah. the schools are getting up and i'm just sitting sitting here looking at the same ones i've been looking since mid-may late may and you know they're all they're all just kind of like sitting down there sore mouth but uh tired of looking at baits down there that's right <laughs> yeah yeah, it's getting getting to the point now. You can just about name them. Yeah, right. Uh, it's it's time for that top water bite, man. It's it's yeah, time it's time to get shallow. 
it's time for it's time to meet new faces, man. Yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt, man. Well, hey, has the offshore bite been as good at Pickwick this year as it's been in some of the past years, or has it been a little tougher this year? You know, we always have pressure here. It's any, anything on Tennessee River has always got a lot of pressure in the summertime, but uh, and that's typical. But we've had a couple bigger tournaments this year. Around those tournaments, it might get a little tougher, but honestly, in, in kind of an average, I feel like the average has been better this year than it was the last two years. I know last year was real tough as far as getting quality and stuff, but I mean, we still, the, the fish you still catch out there right now seem to be pretty good quality. The only thing I've got to complain about now is uh, it does not look good on the Asian carp deal, but there was a little period where the they had something going on with these locks over here. I don't know what the deal was with the Wilson lock, but it wasn't a whole lot of bar traffic, and all of a sudden, man, when that bar traffic got moving again, it's like we just started seeing a ton of Asians again. But I, I don't think it's one of those deals where, you know, it, you know, people are freaking out. Oh, it's Kentucky Lake all over. I don't know. They've been here in a while. I think they. I, I almost want to know. Want to want to say they may migrate back and forth through those locks, man. I mean, I know they do come up, but I don't know if they stay up. Because it's like we see them and then they're gone. But other than that, man, I, I feel like the the fishing has been pretty decent you know you may have a few schools that move here and there because of that carp thing and there may and they may not have there's some of these places they don't have anything to do with the carps it's got something to do with current fishing pressure whatever right but shallower schools seem to get affected by it a little bit more you know we you, you know i've heard you we hear about the asian carp and being a invasive species and 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 hurting the fishing but what is the biggest negative to the asian carp being in a body of water man i just think it's there's a lot of things they do you know on the ecological scale but it's something about what they do with the uh you know they're i don't know what they eat honestly i don't really study up on my asian carp you probably ask brand anderson or david something like some david allen or somebody like that they might know a little bit more about them i just know i don't like them yeah but uh as, as, you know as far as them getting shallow they like it's something to do with their, uh, they're real competitive with the, uh, smaller species, you know, like, like say shad or just, you know, fingerling bass and stuff like that. I don't know what they eat, but I, I just know it doesn't go well together. I mean, I right. put it that way. That's pretty much all I really know. About. How big do they get? Man, some of them get pretty big. Uh, <laughs> the big heads get real big. That's what I've been seeing most of. I haven't been seeing any of the, like the silver carp or, you know, they're just jumping every time you crank the motor or anything like that. But the big head, I've seen a few big groups of them where, you know, you, some, you know, aluminum boats really affect them a lot more than anything. But sometimes you'll shut the lid, like a compartment lid or something like that, and they'll just go crazy on top of the water for a second to spook. But you start seeing on these real calm, hot days a lot more than anything. They'll just get right up at the surface and they'll just kind of like linger for a minute. They're kind of weird looking when you see them in the water too. They all look like they're beat up. They just look nasty, man. <laughs> just nasty. They're just a nasty fish. Yeah. And they get, I mean, I've seen those big heads get huge, but I know they, some people keep up with the weight and stuff like that. I don't really keep up with it, but I'm just wondering if we need to go up there and shoot them with a bow and arrow or something, if that helped. I feel like that'd be fun. I know uh, a couple guys are starting to, uh, on this lower end pickwick, uh, there's a couple guys starting to fire up a, I don't know if he's doing it yet, but Ty Cox has got a little, I don't remember his name of his guide service, but he guides now too. And I, I want to say he's probably guiding uh, you know, bow fishing trips at night too, but I don't know really? if he's doing it yet. 
Yeah, it's uh, he's been talking about it in our little group text, and they've been going out and shooting stuff at night anyway, so I don't know. I'm assuming he's shooting carp and stuff. But well, I'm sure, yeah. Yet to go do it yet, but it does sound fun. Well, let me tell you, if you ain't ever done it, it is freaking fun. I'm going to have to call Ty and, and, and uh, get me a trip up there with him. If you have, Seriously, if you haven't done it, you need to go do it. It is a blast, man. Yeah, that's pretty funny, man. I, everybody I've talked to that's done it is like, this is the funnest thing you'll ever do at night. Uh, it is, man. I mean, you got the, you just <laughs> got the music turned up loud. You got the generators yeah. running with the lights. And uh, may or may not have a cold drink with you, but you just shoot fish. <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds fun, man. Yeah. No doubt about it, man. Well, so when we're talking about pickwick and, and bass fishing, let's we'll get back to what we're supposed to be talking about the bass fishing. What water temperature do you kind of look for? Or is there like a water like or when the water gets down to like 78 or something i know all the you know the fish are moving up more and coming out of deep water i mean is there kind of a marker there that you look for not specifically i, I will say this though once you start seeing the water temp drop by several degrees like you know like you said it's 85 right now and if you like you said if you see 78 or something like that and it starts coming down after a few cool mornings or something like that you can probably probably start riding it up they're moving yeah um you know it doesn't necessarily have to be that big of a drop but you know it's 85 to 87 during the day right now and if you see it getting down cracking low 80s high 70s I, I'd, I'd probably start looking man i mean i i i'm honestly been looking now i mean you know we can start catching them just about any time in the summer shallow but it just ain't had a whole lot of cover for them but when they when that temperature drops is they've got no choice the, the shad are going to be all over the place and moving up shallow too so you will start seeing a lot of fish start schooling here late, you know, here pretty soon on, especially downriver. There's a few of that. There's a little bit of that going on right now, but it's not going on in like this big mass wave or anything yet. Right. Well, like yesterday, so let's take, you know, you sound like y'all had a pretty good trip yesterday. I'm, I mean, were you, it sounds like you caught them all early, had a short trip, went early and caught them before it got too dang hot. But, um, you know what? What were y'all fishing with? Were they were they were y'all fishing shallower? Or was it a mix or kind of what'd you do? It is a mix. I'm, I've been uh, mainly targeting these uh, upriver schools and stuff like that. And some of this stuff's eight to ten feet, you know. But uh, just topwaters and fluke action here and there. You can cast a bull shad through there. You can cast a you know any kind of swim bait through there pretty much and still catch them. But a, a lot of it especially today yesterday was kind of a mix you had to pick up one bait and just put it down you might as well ride it up there ain't gonna bite it again but you know i had probably 15 16 different rods on deck of the boat just with top waters and anything i feel like i could catch them on you know schooling wise but today it just seemed like i mean you could pretty much just throw a whatever your old trusty top water bait of choice is and you could pretty much catch them they they really wanted a bait on top today more than they wanted something subsurface but that could be for me beating on them that could be their temperament for the day man it's really hard to tell it's kind of one of those things this time of year i don't i don't really dive too deep into the decisions the fish are making right now man. that's right that's right when when you're looking for a place to target uh with a top water are you looking for i mean what kind of what kind of area are you looking for with cover with grass close to deep water i mean kind of how do you go okay this is what this is the area i'm gonna concentrate on well, I'm, right now I'm looking for a bait more than anything. You kind of some of that stuff that we're catching on right now is just places that they've come up on in the years past. 
some of it's rock piles, some of it's, you know, grass edges, but there's really not hardly any grass here. But a lot of it is just me looking for bait. Um, you start seeing that bait come up to the surface and every now and then you'll see one buzz. It's not, when I say we're catching them on top and they're, they're coming up in school and they're, it's not like the piranha looking schools that you see in the past. It's, it's not quite that point yet. You'll see like two or three busts and then you'll see a shad skipping out of the water and then you'll see one come up behind him and eat him. You know, it's one of those yeah. things. And then it'll, two or three minutes, you won't see anything, but you can still call them up when they're doing that. But, uh, I feel like some of that has to do with the lack of current too. There's just not a ton of current in the morning right now. So, uh, yeah. they're kind of scattered, you know, it's, they're not big groups hit two or three spots and then move and then hit two or three spots and move. Not until, you know, I'd say they're pulling a little bit of current this morning and around eight thirty, and then started pulling in, but you could feel it anyways. But even then it wasn't that much. It kind of helped them group a little bit tighter by the time we got off the water. But, uh, ah, man, by that time, the sun was getting up and things were slowing down anyways. But Yeah. What's your favorite topwater? Man, uh, I don't know. You can... I said, I know that's a hard question. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I love throwing topwater at all kinds of topwater, but you just can't beat an old trusty bone-colored spook. You, I mean, that's day in, day out, it's going to catch something, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah, no doubt. When you're fishing your spook, uh, I, I was actually, that's what I was fishing with earlier this week in a place I got over here, a private place. But do you tend to fish yours like, you know, a couple of pops and stop, a couple of pops and stop? Or are you more or less bam, 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 all the way back to the boat, maybe occasional stop? Uh, Occasional stop. I kind of feel it out. I don't feel like there's a one thing that's just going to work all the time, but especially for clients. It's a lot easier just to teach them just go bam, 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 bam. You know, just right. all you want to do is that thing's going back and forth zigzagging. And, and, and at least then you kind of, it, it, once you get a cadence whatsoever, I just like, don't, don't overcomplicate it. Just fish the thing. Just fish it. Yeah. If you want to stop it, stop it. But if they get, and and sometimes you'll stop it and they get, they'll sit there and look underneath it and they'll just kind of like stare at it for a second. And you'll start working again. They'll hit it. But sometimes they'll just stop and look at it and be like, oh, no, and they'll turn off of it. So it's just, some of that's due to watercolor some of that's due to fish pressure you know it's got so many different things to play into it but it's just kind of one of those things to fill out yeah when when you're fishing when you're fishing top water and i noticed the other day uh you know i i didn't take i didn't take a lot of gear with me i think i just took one one or two rods with me and was in my kayak and and i had fluorocarbon on fishing the spook does fluorocarbon sink more Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. It made it, I, I, it was almost hard to, it, it almost made it where I couldn't even fish the spook, but a certain distance yeah. back, about halfway back to the boat. Yeah. You, you can't really get away with a spook and fluorocarbon. It's kind of like fishing a, uh, you know, fluorocarbon and a pop or something like that. It's just going to pull it down. Just yep. Kind of works funky. Gets a little bit subsurface there. A couple times you'll work and the thing wants to dive on you a little bit. But, uh, no, nah, I, I, I like to throw mine on braid. You know, some people like to go mono, but I mean, I'm just a good old fashioned braid boy. I just like to throw braid and don't set the hook or don't pull until I feel them. You know, that's all you right. got to do is sometimes little, you can get a little overexcited and pull one out of his mouth every now and then. But as long as you're not pulling until you feel them, you're, you're okay. Yeah. Um, that's the hard part, no, right? I mean, we see them hit, we want to set the hook. Yep. Yep. Uh, hey, I, I did it today, man. Trust me. <laughs> but, uh, as long as you don't do it all the time, you're okay. Yeah. Hey, that's a good suggestion though with the braid and, 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 uh, that's a good point. You know, we, we hear a lot about fluorocarbon and a lot of people fish it, but it's got its uses 
but uh, it ain't it ain't fishing a spook on top water. I I can verify that. No sir, no sir, it's not. I don't really like to use you know fluorocarbon for any kind of top water unless it's unless I'm moving it quick and it's burning in straight on a you know just a straight cast. I know some people right. like to throw fluorocarbon on their buzz baits and stuff. And yeah, I mean you can definitely get away with fluorocarbon with a buzz bait, but. Now, the thing is, the buzzbait's going to sink if you stop it or not, well, no matter what line you got on. That's right, so that no matter really what. Yeah. Same thing. But, um, you know, I don't like to throw it on anything that I've got to pretty much, you know, any kind of hard bait. I just, you know, it's just better to throw something that's going to float. Yeah. It's going to get a lot better at it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Before I get let you get out of here, though, I got to get a tip of the day from you. If somebody's coming up to Pickwick this weekend fishing, what do they need to do? Ooh, man probably get by throwing top water this weekend and if you're going to do that uh you can uh like we were talking spook things working but uh there's also a little bit of pop water action going on right now too and uh i saw this actually got taught something by one of my clients today i've done it in the past but i don't do it a lot and that's how loot knot he he did catch a few that had that thing choked sideways in the mouth that i you know like mine are getting it swiping at it and Getting top of the, getting hooked on top of the head and hooked in the side and stuff like that, but he caught a couple fish that had that dang thing choked, and I swear that the only thing difference between what we were doing, what I was doing, what he was doing, he had a loop knot that was just giving a little bit different action, a little bit wider turn. Huh? And uh, you know, I've done that in the past. I've done that with you know like little snap swivels and stuff like that, and just made it you know not necessarily like uh, fishing on a split ring or something like that something that's got a little bit more action to it than a split ring but he took a split ring off entirely and put it on a you know put on a little monofilament leader on his braid and and tied on a uh a split knot and uh had that little little bit extra action man i i would probably that's not a little bad tip and he was he was talking to me about it telling me about it and i was like you know what i might take you up on that i might start doing that myself (laughs) but uh yeah that's a that's probably a pretty good tip for guys this weekend water and stuff like that try that little little knot deal man hey great tip man we appreciate it buddy hey if somebody wants to book a trip uh with you i know you stay pretty booked up and there's a reason why because you catch a lot of fish but if somebody wants to book a trip with you what's the best way for them to contact you cody well you can contact me by my phone 901-490-0882 you can send me an email at cody.basswacker at gmail.com and uh you know i've got facebook and i've got website any way you want to whatever your preferred way of communicating is i can do it over email i can do it over text i can do it over phone call whatever you want to do uh, y'all if you're if you're listening you want to go to pickwick and um, get on some of this top water action with cody give him a call book a trip with him you'll have a great time and you'll catch a lot of fish too cody me and you need to get up with ty and we need to we need to check on this this bow fishing thing yeah we need and me and you need to go up there and get in a boat with you you got to do this i'm all for it man we got to get on tide to get us out there we're gonna do it we're gonna do it all right buddy take care man we appreciate it uh stay safe out there and we'll talk to you again soon brother sounds good man thanks for calling take care all right guys let's take a couple minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors 
This week's episode is brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. And if you're interested in building a new pond or lake, give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you. If you're anywhere in the Southeast, schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com. And brought to you by Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonist 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. What a man, great show today. Sounds like people are catching fish and, and man, catching some good fish all the way from Ufall and West Point back to the Coosa and, of course, up at Pickwick. That Tennessee River is always good, but great group of guests on. If you want to book a trip, be sure and reach out to them. These are all good guys, and they all catch a lot of fish, so don't hesitate, man, or don't be reluctant. If you want to do it, book it do it and you will not regret it that is going to be a wrap for this week's show if you're enjoying the podcast please take a minute to subscribe rate and leave us a review wherever you listen and if you'd like us to email you the podcast we'll do it each and every week all you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we'll email it to you each and every week stay safe out there guys enjoy all these beautiful lakes that we got in the state of Alabama, and we will talk to y'all next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by AFCO. Family-owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements. Visit AFCO.com for on-the-water performance gear. And brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator, bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, altimetry, currents, and watercolor at hiltonsoffshore.com. And by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by United Bank. United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. Learn more at unitedbank.com. All loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. And by LM Marine has something for everyone from small hunting boats, pontoons, as well as bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. Go visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251 937 1380. 
and brought to you by North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish and in North Alabama, fishing is great year round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. And brought to you by boaterslist.com. Do you own your own company that needs to reach boaters, anglers, and marine enthusiasts? Sign up for free today to grow your business on boaterslist.com.